Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Amaphidon. Thanks for tuning in. Gospel Fest took over Playstead Field at Franklin Park on Sunday to the delight of gospel lovers and Dorchester residents. Now in its 22nd year, the festival brought local and national gospel talents such as Angela Elizabeth, Chris Bender, and Travis Green to the Playstead stage. The event was produced by the Mayor's Office of Tourism, Sports and Entertainment in collaboration with the Faith Collective. For many, Sunday's concert felt like an extended service after some time away. It was absolutely wonderful. The energy, the crowd, it was great to see everybody out. Because of the pandemic, we've not been able to gather like this. This feels normal, like a regular praise, a regular Sunday. It was great to see my neighbors. I'm from here. This was amazing to me. With gospel music resonating for a variety of reasons, all of them equally powerful. I mean, gospel music was like oxygen in our house growing up. My mother's choir director. So gospel music is really what it's all about. It kind of held us together, even in tragedy as a family at a young age. What does, gospel what does gospel mean to me? It means making the deposit into someone's life that may not ever be able to get that from somebody else. I've been charged with ensuring that everybody that I come into contact with is made aware of and gets to know or becomes introduced to the man named Jesus. <laughs> That's what gospel is to me. So gospel and spirituality is always a part of me because when things get rough, it's only one way we know to get positive energy is by digging in and coming out because Deep inside, we got some groaning and we got some moaning, and it's all from gospel. It's all from the talking drums of Africa. So we always, this is something we will always rejoice and keep it blacktastic. This is us, and we is that. Bishop Bobby Terry, founder and pastor at Kingdom Builders Worship Center and host of Gospel Fest, could not help but be encouraged by audiences. It is amazing to me. We have opened back up in church, and we, we, it's good to see people back outside giving God praise and glory. The pandemic has kept us apart, but God's gospel and His grace has brought us back together. There's no denying the impact of community events such as Gospel Fest or Dorchester. Bring people together and crime and, and it will lower crime and violence because it's too much separation. No, we need gathering. We have been separated for almost three years. Too much division, separation. So people don't know how to communicate with people anymore. People don't know to. Everything is about talking to people and the social media, stuff like that. We need to get together again so people can become people again and not talking through a machine. It's a great thing. We have people from every walk of life. Uh, you know, every every nationality is out here. Uh, so, it's, so it's a great thing to do, uh, see everyone together fellowshipping and, and uh, celebrating, celebrating life, you know. Um, in the midst of a tough pandemic, you know, we are still able to hold on to our, to our faith. Energy, we're just gonna have a good time, we're gonna play, we're just gonna have fun. Uh, so hopefully put a smile on people's face and they'll celebrate and enjoy God. From Dorchester, we take you to Roxbury's Open Streets. This is Faith Mathedon with BNN News reporting here live here at Open Streets Roxbury, the first of its kind in the, in the neighborhood. Having a great time getting to see all of the vendors out here, people enjoying themselves and lots and lots of bubbles. 
From Warren Street to Dudley Street, Blue Hill Ave was closed to cars but open to small business on Saturday's second Open Streets event in Roxbury. Attendees from near and far had the chance to see up close the vendors, resources, and eateries that make Roxbury one of a kind. As residents soaked in the sun with their families and friends, they were also reminded they don't have to look any further than their own neighborhoods for what they need. Well, my first experience, of course, is I'm getting some ice cream and just saying it is good for us to now shop right here in the neighborhood. Well, Dorchester and Roxbury has so many other things to offer. Like even today, when you think about a creamery, the fact that we have real fresh ice cream here in the neighborhood, we don't have to go over to Center Street in West Roxbury. We can have all the things that we need. And we can it's incredible and it's a little hot, <laughs> but other than that, seeing all the families out, every generation here has been amazing. Um, I'm a mom, my kids are here, and usually when you're out and about, there's this sense of just like needing to be on alert, right? Watching out for cars, watching where they're going, keeping a hold of their hands. And when it's like this, when the whole community's out, when the streets are shut down, they can just run or sco scooter around on their scooters. And um, that sense of freedom and community and seeing everyone here is just really joyful. So the mayor really wanted to do open streets in our neighborhoods, and our communities. But I was invited here today by Dominga to take part in this um, open streets program because Brooklyn is known for its uh, block parties and its open streets, especially since COVID. Um, they've accelerated the number of um, open streets they've been doing, and she's been a part of that in the past. So she invited us out. And I brought three amazing, almost iconic Brooklyn um, groups with me today, um, the Three Sixter Sneaky 360 sneaker cleaning service for everyone here and they're set, set up over here. We've got Brooklyn Elite Jumpers and we've got Benoit over here. She's um, They came with their double dutch ropes and they're teaching people how to do double dutch and we also have a muralist named Pauli Nassar that um, is doing a beautiful mural over in the corner there. So I'm really excited to be a part of helping to curate this and be in this. So important that we see each other as people of color and black people that we know that we are joyous, that we're talented, that we're creative, that we can come together in a peaceful way and have a good time. What's beautiful is seeing people that I know and meeting people I don't. Um, to see us come together when they say that we can't because it's always violence or they're not organized or no one wants to come to a place like this. Uh, but Roxbury is the place they defended the city from, the British. It is uh, a cornerstone and the original city. So it's uh, a beautiful thing to be in such history. Dorchester is next in line for open streets on September 24th. Dorchester Ave will be blocked off from Freeport Street to Gallivan Boulevard. For more information, openstreetsboston.org. We take you now to South Boston's Mary Ellen McCormack's housing development for their unity celebration. The threat of heavy rains couldn't dampen the spirit of South Boston neighbors who gathered in Sterling Square for the Mary Ellen McCormack Unity Day celebration. Residents of the 80-year-old housing development spent that Friday afternoon meeting new friends, including Mayor Wu, and reconnecting with old neighbors as they enjoyed good food and games. The celebration was a group effort by the Mary Ellen McCormack Task Force, Boston Housing Authority, and the commercial developer, Winko. It's always good when neighbors connect with one another. Uh, they get to meet the different cultures. It brings them together that way. They get to know when strangers are in the area, making it a safer community for one another. And it also brings on the task force and 
the uh, police department, Boston and Housing Police, that they get more friendly and realize that they're not their enemy. They're there to help them when they need them the most. One of the best things that we can do for our health and safety is to build up community. And that's why block parties like this are so important for people who might be so busy every single day to get a chance just to relax, meet your neighbors, bring your families, bring the kids out. And um, this is really the foundation of what our democracy and what our city is built on. Every child deserves a safe and welcoming space to play. And on Friday, Mission Hill Playground became the latest haven for its residents. All signs pointed to yes in the reopening of Mission Hill Playground on Friday. Mayor Wu joined residents for a ribbon cutting of the renovated recreational space. Tailored to the needs of the community, the park offers a full basketball court, all new play equipment, water spray area, and more opportunities for social gatherings. Most importantly, Mission Hill residents have a safe space for families and children to play. Playgrounds are very, very safe for kids and adults. It's a place where you can relax, you can make friends, meet new friends, and it's also leisure time enjoyment. And folk need to have leisure time enjoyment. It's very important for kids to make friends, to get along, to make new friends, to be able to play happily. And I think playgrounds is a wonderful place for both kids and adults. You know, kids' opportunities to access great green play spaces, it makes a huge difference in you know, their energy levels, their ability to focus during school, um, their, you know, their sense of kind of having a place in the city that's for them. And that's really what we wanted to do with this playground, was have a really exceptional place that says to our kids, you're valued, we're putting you first, um, we're giving you great opportunities to play and grow um, and, and be with your friends. Our playgrounds are critical and it's where young people learn, play, explore. It is just what we need in Boston to have more places where people can come back together in person, have fun, play, stay cool in the, in the water, and just know that you can be safe and be in community when you're here. In education, a $4 million investment from Boston Public Schools will support 108 school and community-based programs to reinvent summer school by blending academics and enrichment. This year's, what we call the fifth quarter of learning, is made up of more than 200 programs reaching nearly 17,000 young people across our city, both record high numbers. From STEM and horticulture to dance, language arts, fine arts, martial arts, these programs serve everyone from our littlest learners to our, our older youth as well. Programs like these, blending enrichment and education, are proven to boost student outcomes throughout the year and throughout our young people's lives. Just like with any skill set, you wouldn't take you know, six months off and then expect to be at your peak performance. And so what, what these opportunities provide for young people is an opportunity to kind of sharpen, hone, and develop new skills. So that way they're not only just kind of catching up or maybe remediating skills from the nine months, but they're actually coming back to school a bit sharper, a bit more skilled, um, and ready to engage in learning, having kind of reflex those muscles that they developed during the course of the school year. We've reinvented summer school so that it's more enriching summer learning. Here you're seeing how kids combine academics and lacrosse uh, to drive their learning. We've participated in the largest study ever on summer learning with RAND that proves its effects in math, English, and social emotional skills. Uh, the city and BPS have reallocated funding, including federal stimulus, to this evidence-based approach. And we've made the entire city a classroom for young people. 
Franklin Park Zoo has been an integral part of the community since its 1912 founding. The 72-acre site is nestled in Boston's historic Franklin Park. But many do not know the faces who make the zoo possible. Recently, I sat down with John Linehan, the president and CEO of Zoo New England, the nonprofit organization that manages the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, accredited Franklin Park Zoo in Boston, and the Stone Zoo in Stoneham, Massachusetts. He's ultimately responsible for the care and management of some 1,800 animals and 200 year-round employees. We talked about the zoo's latest attraction, Boston Lights, which is lighting up the hearts of residents and the incredible programs the zoo currently offers. Enjoy the interview. John, I am so grateful for your time here and so excited for our conversation because there's so much going on at the zoo, like the uh, Boston Lights. It's really exciting. It, it is something that, uh, you know, you got to go last year. It's a magical experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, anybody who hasn't seen it yet doesn't know what they're missing. It's, it's, it's different than the zoo during the day, very different. In fact, most of the animals don't know what's going on. Oh. They're in their night quarters and they're snoozing or having dinner. And, um, but, but it's a whole new world and it goes throughout the whole 72 acres. So okay. it's, it's still a great experience for um, people of all ages, really. Excellent. Yeah. And I know you said this is the, the third year yeah. that Boston Lights has returned to the zoo. Uh, can you talk more about the decision to bring it back and how it's changed the experience each year? Sure, yeah. The decision to bring it back was, was one that was predicated on the great success we've had in the last two years. So um, I wouldn't, it, it, it was so popular with people, particularly during COVID. It was a safe place for families to go out together and they were so grateful to have that, and literally people thanking us for bringing it to Boston. Hmm. And it's uh, it's done in conjunction with a Chinese company, Tianyu, that is a Chinese cultural company, and uh, it's just been great, you know. And and um, National Grid has been a sponsor since we started. They've been right. great. But it's it's just been something, particularly for the people around the zoo, where we, we get really great participation from people who live in the neighborhoods around the zoo. Mm -hmm. They've been so excited about it, and it just has such a festive atmosphere. You come in and, and that welcoming, all the lights that welcome you in, yep. and, uh, and what I love seeing is we have all of these very multi-generational groups of people coming in. We still have people that are coming in on dates and that sort of thing, but, <laughs> but you're seeing everything from little kids to grandparents and, and beyond and, and extended families that come in in big groups and um, everybody leaves feeling great. And mm. you know, the reviews have been fantastic. That's and this year it's different than those other two years because that's one of the things that, that we do with Tianyu is change the the theme each year so there are a bunch of sub themes and one of the big ones they just created for us this year was was uh there's a section that's really focused on planets and and the solar system and it's very different than anything we've done before and there are a whole bunch that are really interactive so it's not just a passive walk around look at things there right. are things you do you know there's one area where we have the kids can play drums and they actually drive a light up into a trees. And, Ooh, 
Um, there's another one where you're part of a live kaleidoscope. You go into a room with mirrors everywhere and oh, the lights going. So uh, swings that change color and, and seesaws. And so it's, it's, it's a great experience. And I say experience because it's more than just a, an observational experience. It's an interactive experience. And on top of it all, we're reinforcing our, our conservation theme. Okay. So, Tell us more about that. Yeah. The, so interspersed among the lights, we have we have uh, various uh, areas that are telling you about some of the conservation work we're doing and some of the things people can do to help us save animals. So uh, while you don't see many animals for Boston Lights, you do get that that important messaging about how we are all part of one ecosystem you know, on this planet and we all rely on each other and there are things people can do to help preserve that and not only help pre help us preserve animals but ultimately help us preserve humanity. Okay, well speaking of that, what are things that people can do to participate in the wildlife and habitat conservation? Well, that's a great question. We have, um, we've just about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, developed a new conservation society that people can actually join and we give them the art. We have a field conservation team department at the zoo oh. that is doing field conservation all over eastern Massachusetts, down on the Cape, up into New Hampshire, saving locally threatened species. So from various turtle species to fish to flowers, even plants that are that are endangered. Um, so we've opened this conservation society and people actually get to go out with our team into the into the wild wow which depending upon what project you might be working on can be mucky or it can be but you're really out in the wild and you're helping to save animals hmm. um, but also we're we're working with the schools and we've got uh programs uh we call it our hatch program where you go out and you we we actually track turtles with radio telemetry when they lay their eggs, these are threatened species of turtles. We can sometimes collect the eggs, incubate them, and then we put hatchlings in in the classroom with kids. Oh. They raise them through the whole school year and then do a field trip and release them in the spring. Oh, and it really increases the survival rate of these turtles. They're the size of a four or five-year-old turtle. Hatchling turtles, you know, animals, various animals eat them up like candy. Oh. So uh, this helps their numbers to rebound. And, and so we, we try to reinforce that through Boston Lights and, and other programs we do with teaching people about how important our natural world is and what they can do, how they can get pets responsibly. And because that can help uh, species go extinct if, you know, like parrots are being collected from the wild. All the animals in the zoo are, are captive born multi-generationally. Right. So we're not taking animals out of the wild, and we're not supporting other people taking animals out of the wild. We mm -hmm. are helping to bolster those wild populations. That's so interesting how you talked about the children getting involved and really um, giving them an appreciation and love and building that empathy for That's what for we're all life. about, and, and that, that particular program is truly life-changing for those kids. They have a new appreciation for... Uh, a, the turtles, but also a new, a new view of themselves. They've helped to recover a species from being endangered or on its way to extinction. And they now know, when, and, and through the curriculum that's associated with this program, they know how they can 
they can continue to make a difference for the rest of their lives. Hmm. Well, hearing you talk about it, it's clear that you're, you're very passionate about the zoo and the work that you do. Uh, since 2002, you've been president and CEO of Zoo New England, so you've been overseeing Franklin Park Zoo yeah. and also Stone Zoo right. over in Stoneham. Uh, so can you talk more about how you found yourself on this path and <laughs> where your own love for um, animals and wildlife came from? Well, uh, I found myself on this path because of that love, but where it came from, it might have started with my mother who was a big animal person but I, I spent a lot of my childhood in nature. I was one of those kids that just you know found himself out in the woods all the time and, and uh, ex always interested. I, I'd wear out the books at the library that had to do with animals mm. um, and I went to college for um, you know I was a regular high school kid except I volunteered at a local museum taking care of animals but um, I went to school for wildlife and, and but I, you know, at that time, that's, this was over 40 years ago, zoos weren't that great a place for animals. And I didn't particularly like zoos. Uh, but I went to talk to this guy that ran Franklin Park Zoo back then to try to give me a connection in Africa because I wanted to do field conservation work. Interesting. And he ended up offering me a temporary job and I told him I'd take it while I was looking and now that's over 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I came in at an opportune time and, and there were a lot of, opportunities to make a difference at Franklin Park Zoo. So um, that's how I ended up in where I am. And uh, I love the animals and now I work obviously much less with the animals than I did. But uh, I, as the CEO, I can help set the direction for the zoo and mm -hmm. really make it so that it is now an incredibly educational and conservation oriented organization, but also really embracing the community and bringing in. We've got a program where we're working with people in the community to assess their needs and, and have them give us feedback on programs that will benefit them and that match our mission. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, w w as we've continued to have more and more success, um, we've been able to get beyond survival mode into where we are an incredible, um, sort of value within the community and everything from teen programs to summer camps to various other educational programs where we're uh, changing kids lives and and hopefully helping to ensure a healthy planet for not only animals but people as well. Wonderful so I'm definitely seeing and hearing that Franklin Park Zoo is, is thriving um, and yeah. in those 20 years that you've um, been the CEO president and then the additional years that you were working there you've brought so many changes there uh, what are you most excited to do next uh, next I would say continue to make Franklin Park Zoo ever better we we have you know the zoo's over 100 years old we have some structures in the zoo that are 100 years old or more Hmm. Um, and we just, for example, just rehabilitated our, our flight cage, which um, was built in, in 1912. And so we had to strip it and take all the paint off and put new mesh on. And uh, but uh, so it's, it's having a respect for, for what's been there, the history, but also building new things that are really going to impact people and uh, change everybody into 
from being a sort of passive citizen to being an active conservationist in some way. And that's what it's all about. It's, for us, it's, that's our mission is to help ensure a healthy world for future generations. And that means having a respect and appreciation and ultimately a, a love for all the animals we share the planet with and each other. I feel like there's nothing more to be said. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time. Uh, for people who are interested in seeing the Boston Lights, how long do they have to see it? Uh, we have it running until uh, early October, and it's available almost every night with just a couple of exceptions. You can buy tickets online on our website. That's how they're uh, least expensive. And we have variable pricing depending on the night of the week. Mm -hmm. So you can pick your price and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a great experience and it's opened up the zoo to new audiences that never came before. And now they're coming back during the day. So both our daytime and our zoo lights, Boston lights uh, 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 admissions are growing and it's very exciting and it's a, it's a, an experience you don't want to miss. Oh, I, I imagine that. I, I know that. So, but it's just the, the tip of the iceberg as it well. It really is. All right. So for the other wonderful educational programs that you're doing, how can people learn more about that? The easiest resource is our website. We really keep it, maintain it well. It's a, it's a very nice website where you can see all kinds of programming. You know, we have a we have a great teen program, as I said, that we do in collaboration with the city, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of kids have life-changing experiences through that. We have a teen ambassador program that goes through the school year. We have uh, just a multitude of programs that that people can uh, take advantage of, and and as I said, join that conservation society and get out and actually do field conservation. It's a it's a way to. Um, Get your hands dirty and make a difference. I love it. All right, John Linehan, thank you so much for being it's been here today. Such a pleasure, Faith. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, Boston. As a reminder, you can stream or watch the news on demand at bnnmedia.org. Each episode will be rebroadcast at 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, RCN Channel 15, and Fios Channel 2161. Starting... Now, as always, uh, you can hear the news on the radio at a slightly later time, 7.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. on WBCA 102.9 FM. For BNN News, I'm Faith Mathedon, and I'll see you on Thursday.